Please pray with me. O Lord, grant us your grace to hear what you would speak. Hearing to know you, knowing to trust you, and trusting you to serve and follow all the days of our life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Yesterday was the Feast of All Saints. You may have picked up that theme in the hymn we just sang. It came up a bit. We'll return to that on Sunday when we'll be celebrating some baptisms. But in the tradition of the church, the day after All Saints, the second day of November, is commemorated as the Day of All Souls. When we remember those whom we love who have passed over into death in the faith and fear of the Lord. And specifically, it's customary to remember those who have died in the past year. And among the holy days of the church, this is kind of an odd commemoration. We can't exactly call it a feast even. It's strange in some sense, hard to know what to do with because, well, for one thing, it brings us face to face with death, a subject we usually try to avoid. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in our culture, we actually try to avoid saying the word death. We have all sorts of euphemisms. Listen for this. Even Christians will talk about how someone passed away or passed on. We don't want to say that someone died. And we look for all kinds of circumlocutions to avoid it. Back in 1970, Father Alexander Schmemann wrote that we live today in a death-denying culture. He said this in the 70s. This is clearly seen in the unobtrusive appearance of the ordinary funeral home in its attempt to look like all other houses. Inside, the funeral director tries to take care of things in such a way that one will not notice that one is sad. And a parlor ritual is designed to transform a funeral into a semi-pleasant experience. There is a strange conspiracy of silence concerning the blunt fact of death. And the corpse itself is beautified so as to disguise its deadness. If you think about even the term funeral home, it's not really someone's home. But we want at once to imagine that we can be at home with death without letting it enter into our own homes. So as not to associate with it too closely. The reality is, of course, that death doesn't stay far away, whatever words we use. It touches us. It touches those we love. And so today on All Souls Day, we're asked for once not to avoid thinking about this reality, but to remember the faithful departed to remember those we love who have died in the love of the Lord. And as we remember them, because we're not just called to remember them, but we're called to remember them in a particular way. And the church bids us specifically to think about two things. First of all, to remember that their story is not over. We heard that in that really beautiful reading from the third chapter of the Wisdom of Solomon. It's a deuterocanonical passage, so certainly if you grew up in a Protestant church, but even if you grew up Catholic, I suppose, you're probably not that familiar with it. It's a gorgeous passage, though. In the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be a disaster. And yet, it says, their hope is full of immortality. They still have hope. 
Having been disciplined a little, they will receive great good, because God tested them and found them worthy of himself. In the time of their visitation, they will shine forth and will run like sparks through the stubble. Their story isn't over. They have a future, a future full of light and life, a story that will set the world on fire. And if we want to know what happens in the meanwhile, well, this passage gives us an answer for that as well. The souls of the righteous, it says, are in the hand of God. And I think this is important. It's common, again, in our society, in our Christian circles, to ask, do you know where you're going to go when you die? But it strikes me that that question isn't the one that the scriptures are the most interested in. Although there are hints and there are gestures and fascinating images, parables, the question that scripture most often asks and answers is not so much where as who. Not where will you be, but who will you be with? The souls of the righteous are where? Well, they're in the hand of God. And this takes us to the heart of the mystery of the gospel. Because in this world, death is our ultimate experience of separation, isn't it? Separation from others, even separation experience within ourselves, the sundering of soul and body. And yet... Every Sunday, every week, we make this strange affirmation in the creed that the Son of God has also entered into death, that Jesus died. If death is the place of our greatest loneliness, he experienced that loneliness. He knew that dissolution. He felt that. And yet, somehow, that wasn't the end of the story. What do we say next? On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. Death was not strong enough to hold him. Jesus stood up and he walked out of the grave. Again, I I love how Father Schmemann puts this. He says, the great joy that the disciples felt when they saw the risen Lord, that burning of heart that they experienced on the way to Emmaus, was not because the mysteries of an other world were revealed to them, No, why? Because they saw the Lord. Not where, but who. He continues, in him, that is in Jesus, death itself has become an act of life. For he has filled it with himself, with his love and light. For neither life nor death can separate us from the love of Christ. There's this amazing moment in the first chapter of Revelation when John describes the awesome, terrifying vision of the Son of Man standing aflame with glory. And John's terrified. He falls to his face. But then the Lord Jesus lays his hand on him, and here's what he says. Fear not. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. I have the keys to death. St. Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, we heard this. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For those who know and love Jesus, when they approach that last loneliness of death, they don't go there alone. This is our Christian faith. 
He has gone ahead. He meets them there. Jesus has made a way through. He holds the keys. Today, as we prayerfully remember those we love who have died in the Lord, we affirm with the whole church that their story is not over because love has entered into death and has broken its power. But more than that, the church also asks us to remember a second thing. Not just that their story is not over, but also that somehow their story and our story are still the same story. And this is hard for us to grasp because, well, you know this. We do experience the separation, the sundering from people we love. We experience sadness and grief in the face of death. And that's natural and that's not wrong. But the church, particularly on this day, remembers the faithful departed in prayer. And again, especially if you come from certain kinds of Christian backgrounds, that may make you very uncomfortable. But St. Augustine wrote in one of his sermons, here's what he said. The whole church observes this practice, which was handed down by the fathers, that it prays for those who have died in the communion of the body and blood of Christ. And if you want to understand why that is, if you want to understand what's going on there, I think the best place to start is ask, why do we pray for anyone? Well, because God commands us to. We pray for them because we love them. We pray for them because the Lord calls us to love our neighbor, and part of love is expressed through prayer, bringing that neighbor to God. But here's the point. My brother or sister who has passed beyond the veil of death hasn't stopped being my neighbor. They aren't beyond the reach of God's love. The whole point of the gospel story is that God's love is stronger than death. That God's love in them and God's love in us is stronger than death. And so it's not just that we still care about them, that we still feel that love for our departed brothers and sisters. The Christian teaching is that in some profound way we are still joined to them in love. Again, what do we confess? I believe in the communion of saints, the fellowship and the shared life of all who are in Jesus Christ. If you'll let me one more time quote from Father Schmemann. He says, praying for the dead is an essential expression of the church as love. We ask God to remember those whom we remember, and we remember them because we love them. Praying for them, we meet them in Christ who is love. In Christ, there is no difference between living and dead because all are alive in him. Or in other words, our prayer for those who have died in Christ is a way of our entering into Christ's own prayer in John 17, that those who entrust themselves to him may be one even as the Father and the Son are one. This day reminds us that although we do experience separation, although we do know grief and loss, their story and our story are still the same story. Because their story and our story are both Jesus' story. And so St. Paul reminds us at the end of 1 Thessalonians 4 that we also will be what? Always with the Lord. That's the promise. We know who we're going to be with. That's where the story is headed. 
with him and with them in him. But also, even now in Jesus, we're joined to them in that communion of saints, in that communion of prayer, in that mutual participation in the love of the triune God. And so, tonight, as we conclude, I want to do something a little different. I want to end with some prayers that are adapted from the funeral service, from the requiem. And there will be an opportunity during this time, and I'll pause, for you to remember before the Lord those whom you love who have died in the faith and fear of our Savior. To offer them up to him. Because again, this is an expression of our faith. That we believe in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you please pray with me? Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Grant, we pray, to your whole church, in paradise and on earth, your light and your peace. Grant that all who have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection may die to sin and rise to newness of life, and that through the grave and gate of death we may pass with him to our joyful resurrection. Grant to us who are still on our pilgrimage and who walk as yet by faith that your Holy Spirit may lead us in holiness and righteousness all our days. Grant to all who mourn a sure confidence in your fatherly care that casting all their grief on you, they may know the consolation of your love. Help us, we pray, in the midst of things we cannot understand, to believe and trust in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection to life everlasting. Remember, Lord, the souls of your servants who have gone before us with the mark of faith and who rest in the sleep of peace. I invite you to offer the names of those you carry in your own hearts. Grant us grace to entrust them to your never-failing love. Receive them into the arms of your mercy and remember them according to the favor you bear toward your people. Grant that increasing in knowledge and love of you, they may go from strength to strength in the life of perfect service in your kingdom. Grant us, with all who have died in the hope of resurrection, to have our consummation and bliss in your eternal and everlasting glory. And together with the Blessed Virgin Mary, with patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and martyrs, with all your saints, to receive the crown of life which you have promised to all who share in the victory of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is alive and who reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.